Your birth chart is a calendar, one that's unique to you because it's a picture of the heavens at the moment of your birth. You can think of it as a screenshot of the sky, your sky, and this individualized star map will guide you throughout your entire life. It tells you when you're in season or out and when it's a good time to start a venture or think better of it. It shows you grace periods where you can breeze right past obstacles and it gives you a heads up on future rough patches where you can expect resistance. And that was one of my favorite passages from Christopher Renstrom's book, The Cosmic Calendar. The book outlines a way to turn your birth chart into a calendar that's uniquely aligned with your natural flow and personal seasons. I couldn't help but imagine how amazing it would be if Christopher could teach an online course based on the content, providing an opportunity to teach the content live, answer your questions as you apply the ideas in your life, and hold your hand as you map out your personal cosmic calendar. I'm happy to announce that dream has come true and registration for the Cosmic Calendar online course is now open. No more feeling like you're swimming against the tide as you try to accomplish things before the time is right or missing windows of opportunity because you weren't ready to take action. Now's the time to experience having the full support of the universe behind you. Enrollment is now open. Class begins in March, and you can go to astrologyhub.com slash cosmic calendar to reserve your spot today. And Inner Circle members, be sure to check your membership portal for your discount code. Again, that's astrologyhub.com slash cosmic calendar. We can't wait to see you in class. Welcome to the Cosmic Connection. This is your place to explore the beauty and order of the cosmos. And your connection to it all. My name is Amanda Poole-Walsh, and I'm the founder of Astrology Hub. And I'm Rick Merlin-Levine, your Cosmic Navigator. Now let's dive in. Let's do it. Welcome, everybody. It's so great to be here for the Cosmic Connection with Rick Levine and with all of you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are on the brink of March, and so it is now time to look ahead and look at the astrology for the month ahead. Um, I remember very distinctly, Rick, you when you talked about February, you said the entire month was a buildup to March. It was a buildup to this like March 2nd new moon time, which we're about to get to. So, And we are still in that process. And when you said we are on the brink, maybe that should be the uh, topic for for March, although the topic we discussed was turning point. Mm. But there's also that turning point does feel like we're... We're, we're on the edge or on the brink of, of, of something. And obviously, you know, with the, the elephant in the room is the bombing of Ukraine by, by Russia. And so that certainly is going to set a tone for whatever it is that comes up next. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think that we can just go ahead and dive in. I see our friends are joining us here, which is great. It's so nice to see you all. And um, let's just, let's start with, do you want to start from now? Because we're, we're, Still in February. Do you want to finish us off for the month? Well, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to finish us off for the month. I'd like to jump right to April if I might. Could we? Can we do that? 
Yes, let's just do that. <laughs> oh my. Um, well, you know, here we, we are recording this on, on the 24th. So we have almost a week left to the, well, I mean, five days anyhow. It's a short month, obviously. But when we look at where the planets are right now, we see in process the Venus-Mars conjunction, which was exact um, a week ago or so. And remember, oddly enough, Mars has been moving faster than Venus. Normally, Venus is closer into the sun, it moves faster. And so the conjunction occurred with Mars overtaking Venus and so Mars will be the first um, of Venus and Mars to reach Pluto, followed by Venus. And so right now, when we look at the chart for Thursday, February 24th, we see that that Pluto is at uh, 27, a little bit more than 27 and a half degrees of Capricorn, with Mars at almost 23 degrees heading toward it, with Venus at 22 and a half degrees, roughly moving toward it. And so we have Venus now speeding up and Venus is going to catch up with Mars so that we have this second Venus-Mars conjunction on March 5th, just a, a couple, three days after the, the uh, Pisces new moon. So here's what we have building. We have Venus, Mars, and Pluto coming into a triple conjunction, kapow, and we've talked a bit about that, and we'll talk a bit more about that when we look at the new moon chart. We have Mercury at 11 degrees of Aquarius heading toward Saturn at 18 degrees of Aquarius. And because Mercury is moving so quickly right now, Mercury makes a lot of aspects. We're going to feel like Mar March. I was going to say we're going to feel like Mars. We're going to feel like March is noisy compared to the past few months. Because because Mercury, the planet of communication of noise, is moving rather quickly. But Mercury will catch up to Saturn also on March 2nd, the day of the new moon. And then we have the moon right now moving through Sagittarius. It'll go through Capricorn on February 25th, 26th, and it will line up with the planets in Capricorn, the Venus, Mars, and, and, and Pluto. And then the moon will move into Aquarius and it will line up with Mercury and Saturn. And then the moon will move into Pisces. And on March 2nd, the moon will catch up to the sun and they will both be very close within striking distance to, to Jupiter. In fact, the sun lines up with Jupiter on March 5th. And so as quiet as February should have been, and yet building towards this crescendo, it seems like in a true Martian manner, I say Martian because Mars is in the mix right now, conjoining Venus and just kind of being part of the whole situation, true to Mars being in the mix, I think this buildup to the beginning of March is just coming a bit premature. <laughs> and, so, um, and, and so even though we're talking about February still, the stuff that is happening now is kind of energetically March, even though we have another few days left of February. And I think it will take until the new moon for for us to really understand what's going on, um, even though you can look at the news and see what's going on. You know, the fact is that as of today, Thursday, 
February 24th, Russia is bombing the heck out of Ukraine. They say they're bombing military targets specifically, but we know we've been on that side of that story too. You know, bombs are bombs. They don't always go and only land where we think they're supposed to. So, yeah. Rick, is there anything in the astrology that is helping us understand how, if we're at a turning point and or or on the brink of something, yeah. Is there anything in the astrology that's helping us understand how long of a time period this is? Yes and no. Even though these events seem separate from the events of 2012 to 2015, the Uranus-Pluto square, even though these events seem separate from the, from the Saturn conjuncting Pluto and then the Saturn squaring Uranus 2020-2021, we're still in that flow of events hmm. and it's a total shift for for many of us because our thinking has been so distracted and so aimed at domestic you know in, at least in the United States at domestic affairs and politics and 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 shenanigans and so on we've been so distracted by the um pandemic and the cover the news coverage of of the pandemic and so on and so i'm not sure that this is all out of character you know, there's something about this that's happening as part of that larger process. And on one level, the Saturn-Uranus square, which as we know, defined much of 2021, is still hanging out and 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 comes back almost, almost um, by this fall, by September, October, and then election day in the United States, November. And so it's hard to quantify which of these rhythms this energy is coming in on, but I'm expecting that this is not just an overnight event, that we're, we're looking here at a little bit of a longer haul of a how do I want to say this, of a developing strategy that we're now just seeing come out in the open. And um, and we're going to have to deal with it in many different ways, whatever that means. And I don't, like everyone else, I mean, I'm an astrologer, but I don't know what all those ways might, what might ultimately mean. Hmm, that's interesting. So even though it, it, it is appearing somewhat disconnected, it is not actually disconnected. If you look at the astrology, it's part of this story that we've been living obviously been brewing for a lot longer than well yes but i mean but this this piece of the story is directly connected to our relationship with russia through the trump presidency and through the um if not encouragement certainly not encouragement but no reaction politically to russia taking crimea which in some ways is very similar to what it's doing with Ukraine. And it may then just be a domino effect of it not stopping here either, because this is not discontinuous from what Russia has done in, like I say, in Crimea, in Chechnya, in other places. And I'm not in any way trying to pass myself off as a um, as an expert in modern politics. I mean, I know as much as other people who read the news, which may be nothing, 
but that's where my perspective comes from. But this, again, doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to be a disruption in their strategy. It seems to be another step. And, um, you know, and and looking at, at Putin's chart, I think Putin is in a place of strength these days, or at least... Uh, uh, I think he he feels rather strong, and I know we're 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 theoretically uh, talking about uh, the month of March. But you know the the fact of the matter is that as Saturn moves through Aquarius right now, today, this week, uh, yesterday, today, tomorrow transiting Saturn right now is conjoining. Transiting Saturn um, right now on February 24th is at 18 degrees and 19 minutes of Aquarius. Well, Vladimir Putin's North Node is at 18 degrees and 37 minutes of Aquarius. Hmm. So we have Saturn that is actually um, so close and will actually go exactly over that point in three, four days, actually right around March 1st, which is close enough to the, you know, the, the big date, the big kahuna, um, which is, uh, the new, the, Pisces new moon on March 2nd. So on one hand, we have transiting Saturn lining up with, with, with Putin's North Node, which probably makes him feel like he's doing this. This is his destiny. Mm. His destiny is to put, you know, to put Russia back into the power place that it held when there was the union, the union of Soviet countries, but now under the banner of Russia. The other thing, though, is that is that although Putin is what we call DD, dirty data, um, there's a couple of conflicting dates and, and uh, or a couple, couple of conflicting times. The I mean, most common- his birth chart, we have a couple different times. We're right. Not sure. right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and and although the one that I think is most often used um, is October seventh, nineteen fifty two, at nine thirty a.m. in Petrograd, uh, Russia. Now, um, the things that I'm going to discuss, though, are not affect will not be affected by whether he was born at six thirty in the morning or at four in the afternoon. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that he has four planets in Libra. He is quite a strategic player, Libra, and somewhat of a diplomat to be contended with. But he has the Sun conjunct Saturn, which makes him oh so serious, conjunct Neptune, which makes him able to be rather mm, disarming and deceiving at times. He has the Sun conjunct Saturn, conjunct Neptune, conjunct Mercury, all in um, in air sign Libra. And right now, Saturn is moving through Aquarius and will retro and has gone over his sun and uh, gone over the trine point because his north node is trine his Libra planets. So transiting Saturn is trining his Libra planets, which often when, when we get a transiting trine from Saturn, we often feel like things are flowing in a way that's working for us. And so that Saturn transiting Saturn, trining his sun, trining his natal Saturn, trining his natal Neptune, trining his natal Mercury is, I think, strengthening his position or at least strengthening his own sense of, um, of, um, of, of self-awareness, his own confidence. His, I think his confidence level is rather 
high, whether it ultimately will have steered him in a right direction or not. Only history um, or current events will will let us know that, will tell that. Um, but it is intriguing that this is certainly a very strong Saturn IX period for him. He's also coming to a point where Saturn is at the lowest point in his chart. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is there any chance you could share the chart on the screen? Yeah, I think so. I think that might be helpful for people to see what you're looking at. Sure. Okay, we can see it now. Awesome, Rick. Great job. Okay, so I, I don't want to get lost in this because I mean, and and therefore not do the rest of of March. However, you can see here that regardless of what time of day he was born, and this is for nine thirty a.m., you can see the Sun, Saturn, Neptune, and uh, and and Mercury all clustered for, uh, within ten degrees of Libra. We can okay. see the Sun at thirteen degrees Libra, fifty-five minutes. Now we can see the sun followed by Saturn, by, by Neptune, and by Mercury with a three-degree um, Scorpio rising. Now we can also see at the very bottom of the chart the north node. And his north node is very close to the IC, to the very bottom of the chart. The, the south node is at the top of the chart. And also he has Pluto at the top of the chart. So what, what what this means is that Pluto is the is is, is the domineering power. This is the, the the you know Pluto is the lord of the hell realms, uh, and and with Pluto at the very top of the chart, this is indicative of someone who knows how to work the masses, the system. And you can see that all the planets in Libra are harmonized or tra um, sextile rather his south node, his midheaven, and his Pluto. Now, I do not have aspects drawn into the north node, but there would be another blue line that would connect his sun, Saturn, Neptune, and Mercury down to the bottom of his chart to where that north node is, which is like future destiny. And if we were to put Saturn where Saturn is today in the sky, Saturn is today at 18 degrees of Aquarius, lined up with his north node and also trine or harmonized with his sun, Saturn, Neptune, and Mercury. And so, um, as I said earlier, I think he's feeling his oats. He's feeling his his, his sense of, of strength, whether this is ultimately a positive or negative thing for him and or for Russia or for the rest of the country or the Ukraine is not the issue that I'm addressing. I'm just saying that he right now is kind of fulfilling his vision of his own destiny. Wow. That's why he, that's why he can't be stopped. I mean, or that's yeah. why he won't, that's why he won't listen to reason if that's, if reason is an issue. He may have his reasons too. You know, we see everything from our own perspective and I'm not saying there's ever a reason to you know, bomb others. But, you know, we have our justifications and, and he has his. Rick, how I long do. is that? How long is that Saturn right there with his North Node? Uh, well, it retrogrades back over it and then goes direct again. So it's through the year. I mean, oh, it's, wow. it, it, it's uh, uh, if, if I put up the chart for now, I don't think you can see 
the, the chart that I just threw up on top of it, but that's going to tell me I can follow Saturn along pretty quickly here. Saturn right now at 18 Aquarius. And if we follow that along, Saturn reaches, um, it reaches about 25 of Aquarius. So it reaches the trine to his Neptune and his Mercury. Then it turns retrograde and it retrogrades all the way back to 18 where it is now. It retrogrades all the way back to his North Node. Uh, and it does that by October 31st, and then it goes direct, and it doesn't clear his the trines to his planets until you know more like um, uh, December of this of this year. So, wow. it, it, so the, that doesn't necessarily mean that this war will continue then till then, but it also doesn't mean that he will stop here and that he has his eyes set somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else. We don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, right. political experts don't know. Right. If if you were reading anybody's chart and you saw Saturn coming to the North Node and making three passes, and so this is the first pass is what I'm hearing. Yes. And you would interpret that as a destiny moment? Well, yeah, the North Node is kind of like, that's right, it's, it, it has something to do with, with the purpose. Uh, it's, the, it's the trajectory of the soul. And so there is something here about that, but there's something else also. And that is when we follow Saturn through the, the quadrants. Uh, quadrant one is houses one, two, three. And, and and into quadrant two, which is houses four, five, and six. Right now, Put the Saturn in the sky is moving from Putin's quadrant one at the bottom of his chart into quadrant two. It's coming around the lowest point in the chart. And often this is a sort of a dark night of the soul, but it's also the beginning of a long-term trajectory. Now, I would contend from an astrological perspective, it's too early to read what that trajectory is. Um, you know, you, I, I remember uh, uh, Richard Nixon's, President Nixon's chart, when Saturn was at the bottom of his chart, he didn't have the nodes there. But when Saturn was at the very bottom of his chart, he ran for office as a, a congressman um, in Whittier, California, and they were involved in some election fixing then. And 14 years later, when Saturn reached his midheaven, he had to resign from, pre from president of the United States. Wow. Interesting. So we're talking a long, Saturn is long-term cycles, but there is something here that is in Putin's life, there's a change. It's almost like as Saturn went through that, that first quadrant for the past six, seven, eight years, this has been a time when Putin has been laying lower than normal, even though we don't necessarily see it that way. It's almost like he's ready to come out of hiding and to make his mark. That may or may not work out well for him. I can't, I, I, I don't have the, the ability to, to judge that. Okay, so we're, I know we're on the March forecast. I hope this is helpful for you all. And obviously the storyline that is affecting March is important for us to look at, especially from an astrological perspective. Did Absolutely. You, did you want to show us Biden's chart to see any sort of contrast or any sort of additional clues into the story that's unfolding? Um, yeah, with Biden, at least we have accurate data. So with, with Biden's chart, interestingly enough, like Putin, 
Biden has a stellium. Putin has it in Libra. Biden has it in Scorpio. We're we're looking here, um, someone who wields more power than is shown. Um, I know there's a lot of people that look at Biden, Sagittarius, rising, and kind of want to pass him off as a as a senile old guy who's just standing in the spot of presidency. I'm, I'm, I'm not making a judgment one way or another. I'm just saying there are a lot of people who feel that way. However, when you look at his chart, he's got this Mars, Mercury, Sun, and Venus all in Scorpio and all tightly trying to Jupiter, which gives him the ability to wield that. Now, does that mean he will be successful or powerful here? I again I don't I don't know I don't have a clue. I do know how however um that when we look at at um Biden's chart it doesn't have the um the idea that Saturn is building stability in Putin's chart. At the same time Saturn moving through Aquarius is basically uh, uh, causing stress because Aquarius is 90 degrees to Scorpio. So as Saturn moves through Aquarius, that will be squaring or has been squaring his Mars, his Mercury, his Sun and and Venus. And that will be with us for a while. And I think that that, that partly describes how Biden's public perception has been so difficult for him. And, um, and so where does that go from here? I don't know, but that's the thing that jumps out at me. The other piece, though, is that as Uranus is moving through Taurus, Biden is getting some of that also. He has an early Taurus moon, and that for him would have um, would have been striking back about three year, three or four years ago. But now with Uranus, uh, Uranus right now in the sky is at 15 degrees of Taurus, which means that Uranus has been going back and forth over his Mars and will eventually go over the opposition to his planets. So just from a quick and dirty look at the two of them, and again, although Putin might be Russia, there's a lot of Russia that is not Putin. And and Biden certainly isn't the United States. But the leaders' charts often are reflective of something. And we can just see at this moment in time that uh, Putin's chart is a lot more stabilized and steady than Biden's chart, which may or may not mean anything. Mm, wow. Okay. Don is saying, why not check President Zelensky? Do we have the ability to? I don't have that data right in front of me. I do have the data, but um, okay. let me let me just see here. I might be able to grab that real quickly. Teal, Teal wants to know where Eris is in the charts. I don't know if you. Yeah, I do have, I do have Zelensky's chart and it looks like. Yeah, um, here here is here is Zelensky's chart. This is a zero degree rising because we do not have a time. This is just run for noon in Kiev, Ukraine. But he is an Aquarius, which means that Saturn has already come across his sun. And uh, when Saturn comes across the sun, that's often a you know kind of a you get what you deserve. My guess that would have been partly or. or around the time of the uh, infamous phone call and uh, and Zelensky being pulled onto the world stage at that moment. I say the phone call, the Trump-Zelensky phone call, you know, that was the 
you know, basis of, of impeachment number one. But looking at his chart, um, he's got Mercury and Capricorn. All the Capricorn planets are past that. He does have uh, Saturn. Oh, okay. So, so he is actually coming up to a Saturn opposition. You know, he's a young guy. I mean, he was born in 1978. That's the year I was born. Yeah. And, well, you're a young gal. Well, we're, we're just um, days apart, six days apart. Yep, yep. How'd you like to run this country for a while? <laughs> no, thank you. But, 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 but the fact is that Saturn has in the sky been opposite his moon. Um, and so that, well, we, and we don't know the exact degree, but we know that the moon is in Leo, you know, six degrees or so, plus or minus. So the moon is somewhere between 10 degrees and 20 two degrees of, of Leo, which is where Saturn in the sky has been and is. So that often is a feeling like home is not home. It's a, it's certainly highly stressful. And um, yeah, I mean, you look at this chart and it's almost like there was more stress on this chart, you know, a, a couple of years ago than now, but that Saturn opposing uh, the moon and Saturn coming up to opposing Saturn certainly is there. Um, and what about fact, Pluto? Wouldn't Pluto be kind of coming in orb too? Well, um, Pluto. Is, remember, Pluto really. is already past. It's 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 Pluto is past his Mercury because Pluto's oh. at twenty seven, and it won't be until about twenty twenty seven, twenty 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 seven when Pluto reaches five degrees of Aquarius. Ah. So yeah. he's in between those. Although Mars is right there at the zero degree point. So the transiting Pluto will oppose his natal Mars as it goes into Aquarius, which is beginning next year and the year after. But I don't see I don't see the the level. I mean, again, the danger of this is I've not spent time really sitting with this chart. I'm just looking at it and shooting from the hip, which I'm pretty good at. But I don't see the level of intensity in his chart as much right now which is not what we would expect. But again, it, what it says is that Zelensky, to me, it says that Zelensky isn't the Ukraine. You know, that, that, and it's not like he's having fun. Saturn opposing the moon sucks. I mean, it often feels like we're estranged or like we don't have room to breathe or be ourselves. Um, something's got to change. It often is very, very emotionally um, restrictive. Um, but, you know, if you put these three charts together, and I'm not doing synastry or comparison here, but if you put these three charts in a row, Trump is the one who has the chart that has the most support from the cosmos right now. Wait, it's, do you mean been, Putin? I'm sorry. What did Trump. I say? You said Who did Trump. I say? You yeah, said Trump, I, but you meant Putin. So I meant Putin. That if you put Zelensky's Putin's and Biden's charts in a row that I, um, I I would stand by my perception that Putin's chart is the one that's being supported right now cosmically more than the others. Wow. And you would you also say that Biden's looks the most stressed? Well, Biden's looks the most stressed, but we have to be careful here because remember, astrologically, the most stressed chart is the one that actually can swing into action and do the most. Just because a chart is smooth, that makes us overconfident and lazy sometimes. Right. I mean, we just, I mean, which makes me say, I don't know 
This is not about predicting an outcome. Right. It's just looking at this from an astrological point of view, which is something that I do. It's that we do. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, Rick, thank you for this. This has been a little bit of a detour, but not really. All right. Okay. So let's bring it back to March. You, you started talking. You said March is noisy compared to the last few months, that this is a turning point and or on the brink. Like one of those themes, turning point. Right. And, 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 and I really think that the statement for March, although we can drill down, you know, planet by planet and day by day, I think that the real statement for the month um, occurs at uh, the chart at the full moon. And the, um, and the full moon chart is on March 2nd. And and the time is. Um, hold on one second. Do you, mean, do you mean new moon? Yes, I do. Okay. Thank you for keeping me straight and on track here. Sorry. All right. So I was that. like, whoa, we haven't talked about the full moon. So the new, but you're still talking about the new moon. That's that's the biggest astrological moment of the month. I believe so, and that is at nine thirty four a.m. Pacific time. Um, so that's um, that's twelve thirty four Eastern time. And um, and what seven thirty four Hawaiian time? Am I close? Yeah, yeah. And All you right. said it on the second on right? Mar on March second, mm -hmm. and and that occurs at um, at twelve degrees of Pisces, and and here's the thing that makes this chart extraordinary. First of all, the uh, the new moon is coming into a conjunction with um, with with Jupiter. Which means that within a couple of hours, actually within within three and a half, four hours after the new moon, the moon is conjunct Jupiter. Uh, I'll come back and say what what why that's important or what that means. But what that also um, means is that by March fifth, the sun is conjunct Jupiter. Now. Here's the way the individual planets break down, but then I'm going to describe this from a different point of view. On March 2nd, Mercury conjunct Saturn. That's in Aquarius. Mercury conjunct Saturn. On March 3rd, Mars conjuncts Pluto, and a few hours later, Venus conjuncts Pluto. On March 5th, the Sun conjuncts Jupiter, which is what we just said before. And on March 5th, Mars moves into Aquarius and Venus moves into Aquarius. And on March 5th, as these planets are moving into Aquarius, they, uh, they, they, they conjoin for, for their second time. Now, let me break this down because it's such an extraordinary string of events. As we know, looking backward, Saturn lined up with Pluto back in January of 2020, kicking off this whole, you know, uh, the longest month of March ever, you know, but that was, that was in January of 2020, um, 2020 when, um, when the virus COVID was announced and all of a sudden everyone began going into panic by February, by March, we were pretty much closed down. Saturn lining up with Pluto. Well, in the interim, Jupiter lined up with Pluto three times, which in fact were the waves of the successive um, waves um, one, two, and three of the ep um, epidemic pandemic. But of course, other planets have come across Pluto in that period of time too. The moon does it once a month. The sun has done it once a year. And the sun did it for its third time just last month as the sun went across Pluto. But 
also back in December, Venus lined up with Pluto, and then it turned retrograde, lined up with Pluto a second time, and on March second, Pluto lines the Venus lines up with Pluto the third and final time. Uh, Venus Pluto conjunction three times like that on the retrograde is um, highly unusual. It's been at least a couple of hundred years since that has happened. Then we add to the fact that in the midst of that Venus uh, going over Pluto, retrograding back over it, going over it again, we had Mercury doing the same thing. Now, Mercury is off on into Aquarius, but on March 2nd, the day of the new moon, we have Mars now in the mix because it's been traveling together with Venus as it first went faster, and now Venus is going to catch up to it again on March 5th. And so we have a Venus-Mars conjunction, conjunct Pluto on this new moon. And after that, there are no inner planets or no planets that are going to conjunct Pluto for a long time. The, The fastest moving ones will do it again next year. But the Jupiter won't do it again for 13, 12 years. Mars won't do it again for a couple of years. Venus and Mercury won't do a one, two, three like that again for who knows how long. And so I think that this is separate from the new moon. This is a turning point because in some ways this is this is the stop sign at the intersection that we're going through. And as we hit that stop sign, we got to decide which are we going right, left or, or, or straight ahead, so to speak. And so I think that the Venus-Mars-Pluto conjunction is more than just a conjunction. It's not a nice conjunction. You know, Mars is exalted in, in Capricorn, which means that when it's not in its home signs of Aries or Scorpio, it likes being in Capricorn more than being anywhere else because it gets to finish what it starts. Venus lined up with Mars may sweeten it and soften it, but I think Mars here is running the show. The thing is, is that this Venus-Mars conjunct Pluto is not just two planets conjuncting Pluto. It's really the finality of what began back when Saturn conjuncted Pluto. So it's definitely marking a turning point. Now we add to that to that the fact that Mercury is joining conjunct, conjuncting Saturn during this new moon. And here is a logic runs into walls and we have to somehow open our thinking. Or in fact, it could be someone who is so certain that they stick to what they have. I think of um, Mercury, Saturn together as saying more with fewer words. But it's, I think there's something here about about the reality of communication. It's like a reality check in some mm-hmm. ways. March 2nd. And, and then the third thing, of course, is that the new moon, the sun and moon conjoin, as they are both coming in to conjoin Jupiter, the moon just a few hours after, and the sun on March 5th. And this is all, this magnifies things. We're already in the zone. It's making things, you know, big mythically proportioned. And I think that that's significant. And I also think that then it's significant on the fifth that the Venus-Mars conjunction occur just within 24 hours. I mean, uh, actually within less than that, within 
within a, within a couple of hours, within an hour of both Venus and Mars moving from from Capricorn into Aquarius, and then they conjoin, and it's just another new territory, new game, n- new place. It's like again a turning point, which is why I think this event is so important. Hmm. Okay, so that takes us through the fifth. This big like coagulation of energy happening around this time period in the beginning of the month. What happens after that? Well, um, there's still a lot going on. As I said earlier, both Venus and Mercury are moving rather quickly now, actually, actually as, as is Mars. And so it will feel like there's more going on. It's noisier than, than the past few months. The next piece that we would want to mention is on March 9th, Mercury moves into Pisces. Mercury, which has moved through Aquarius, is moving very quickly now. It moves into Pisces. And in fact, by March 27th, it will be moving into Aries. Mercury's flying now. And remember, it is when it moves fast, the messenger. So, so Mercury is doing its thing, but as it moves, as Mercury moves through Pisces, it's going to make aspects um, to several planets, including um, joining up with, lining up with Jupiter and lining up with Neptune. And remember, Jupiter and Neptune are inching closer and closer together. It doesn't occur in March, but in mid-April, Jupiter catches up with Neptune. And this will be a very um, uh, formalizing, or let me just say, an important um, period of time for all of 2022. But when Mercury moves across those two planets, um, across um, Jupiter on the 20th, and and then um, uh, across Neptune on the 23rd, um, before it moves into Aries on the 27th, this is going to give us clues around that Jupiter conjunction to um, to Neptune that occurs next month. The, um, the, the other thing, I mean, there's a number of other things that occur through the month, just on touching on a few of the important things, is that the sun now moving through um, Pisces, we already talked about how on March 5th, it lines up with Jupiter, kind of making everything bigger, better, more, whoops, more too much. Uh, it, it, it increases the, the amplitude, the noise level everywhere. But, but the sun also then um, catches up with, um, with Neptune, and the sun's conjunction with Neptune is on March 13th, and that's just then before the full moon, which we'll get to in just a moment. But we can see here the sun going over Jupiter and then over Neptune. It's almost like we're getting this, this, this increase of that Jupiter energy in a way as, as large as it can be. And by, um, by, by March 18th, the moon is actually in Virgo, opposing the sun in Pisces, but also by sign, opposing Mercury, Jupiter, Neptune, and the sun in Pisces. And so here we have the gut level, the moon, wanting to respond with very specific, detailed information. And yet, we're, it feels like we're being... Um, broadcast, widecast. It feels like 
it, as opposed to narrow casting all that energy in Pisces, everything is just, it's like, it might feel like it's too much. And, and, and during that same period of time, incidentally, we have both Venus and Mars, which remember had been traveling together. Now Venus is moving a bit faster. And so Venus actually separates itself from Mars, but both Venus and Mars form squares with Uranus. And in fact, they form conjunctions with Saturn afterwards. And so again, as Venus and Mars come through Aquarius, we're getting another replay of the conservative versus the progressive, the old versus the new, um, the, you know, that whole thing that we've been just talking about ad nauseum. But both Venus and Mars square Uranus, Venus on March 19th and Mars on March 22nd. And they both conjunct Saturn, Venus on March 28th, and Mars doesn't conjunct Saturn until um, in, until next month, until April, and it does that around April fifth, um, April fourth, fifth, right, right in there. So these are all powerful aspects, and in some ways, the, these are leading up to the the full moon um, on March eighteenth, which we've already just barely touched on. But this this new this full moon in Virgo is interesting because the moon itself um, brings in um, brings in both Pluto brings in Pluto strongly by trine. Um, let me just get a look here at it. Um, yeah, here we go. So, um, so the 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 full moon in Virgo is trining Pluto in Capricorn. And this, I think, gives us some, some it, it gives us a real sense of where we're going. It deepens issues. But that full moon in Virgo is also part of a configuration that has it uh, sesquisquare. Uh, that's an aspect of anxiousness. It's like a square. It's a conflict. But the moon squares Mars and Venus on one side and squares Uranus on the other. And as I just said earlier, that Venus and Mars are coming into square Uranus on March 19th and 22nd. And here we have another round of unpredictable stuff. Um, things are not settled. Things will not be settled yet. You know, I don't know exactly, again, what that means, but, but the energy here is disruptive. It's almost like we get another layer of something happening that is, um, if not unexpected, it feels shocking anyhow. Mm. So Rick, this is that cadence that you talked about for 2022 that's similar but different than 2021, yes. right? Because we had Saturn, Uranus, all of 2021. The Saturn that, aspect yeah. would happen first and then Uranus. And this year we have Uranus, Saturn. Right, which means that that in effect... The invasion happens, and then we figure out what ha what we do. Right. Rather than figuring out what we do, then the invasion. Uh, I'm using that as an example. It may not be the the best example, but what you're saying is exactly exactly correct. Right. So it's 
the Uranus upheaval happens. And then the way that you talked about it before is then it's like, then the energy can ground or it, then it, reality hits. I don't know. Right. Or reality hits. Right. Mm -hmm. Either, either. Um, and, and by the way, then um, what, what happens is that on, on March 20th, the sun moves from Pisces into Aries. And again, talking about turning points, I mean, this is the beginning of a whole new astrological year, not just a season. This is the starting point. We start all over again. And so there's, again, March again and again and again seems to bring us to a brink or to an edge. And then there's a turning point. And when the astrological new year starts, that happens again. And now during this period of time, Mercury moving through Pisces, you know, if Mercury is logical, Mercury in Pisces is a nightmare because Pisces is not logical. <laughs> Mercury in Pisces wants to sing songs rather than write technical manuals. But on March 20th, the first day of spring, Mercury lines up with Jupiter. And again, these are bigger, better, newer ideas that are very grandiose that may or may not be related to anything practical. And then the um, Mercury will actually then catch up to Neptune on the 23rd. And so again, here we get a few days that are like foreshadowing what April may show when Jupiter reaches, uh, when Jupiter and Neptune align, because Mercury aligns first with Jupiter on the 20th and then with Neptune on the 23rd. By the way, then on the 27th, Mercury moves out of Pisces into Aries, again, kind of reaffirming the turning point where in new territory, something new is happening. And by March 28th, Venus, which had already squared Uranus, is now, um, is now conjoining Saturn. So this is now the other shoe dropping. And then we end the month, or some people we would say, some people might say we begin April. But if we're just looking at where I live and where you live, we end the month with another new moon that is actually Seattle time, 11.24 p.m. on March 31st. But of course, that means that if you live in New York, that is occurring at um, uh, 2.30 a.m. on April 1st. But that new moon is actually a new moon in Aries. And, and again, I think it's a very interesting new moon because here everything is very focused. It's like all of a sudden we have a huge amount of focus. The, um, the Venus-Mars conjunction has widened, but they're now playing with Saturn rather than than Uranus, and so there's a steadiness coming into it. There's a frustration because um, Mars is coming toward Saturn. Uh, this is, again, the last moments of uh, March 31st or the beginning of April 1st. But we have now Mercury, Sun, Moon, and Chiron all in Aries. And, um, and I think that this is like a whole idea of like we're moving somewhere new. Wow. Lots of evidence of the turning points. I see why you're going with that for the theme. Yeah. Right. Can I ask you a question about the Venus Mars? In the beginning, you said the Venus Mars conjunct Pluto. 
some people would interpret that saying, well, the Venus might soften that Mars and Capricorn. Exactly. But would, but would you also say that because Venus is a morning star right now, she's actually in more of the warrior like energy of Venus anyways? Maybe. I I I I I wouldn't disagree with someone saying that. I wouldn't say that, but but I wouldn't disagree with it. What I would say, which gets to the same conclusion, is that Mars is exalted, and therefore Mars is going to clobber over over things. Though though it'll be more about assertion and you know and the the trappings of 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 aggression or war than peace. Okay. Anything for, uh, there's a few Canadians in the chat, and I know that there's been a lot going on in Canada. Is it, I mean, is there anything for Canada we can look at specifically like we just did for the U.S. and for Russia? I think the issues are all the same issues, mm. you know, I mean, it, meaning that it's still an issue of personal freedom versus, versus government control, uh, mm. Uranus versus Saturn. It's still, um, you know, in some ways, conservative versus progressive, um, restraint uh, versus expre expression uh, versus restraint, old versus new. And again, as I've said now for over a year, the sides on these actually flip. We have to be careful thinking that we know which is Saturn and which is Uranus because Uranus turns into Saturn. <laughs> And Saturn turns into Uranus in these things, but still there's the same energy that is at play. And this is the energy, I think, that is coming to a, a highlight or an expression now. All the things that we talked about, about the new moon, thinking about, you know, Putin, all those same things can be looked at from a standpoint of a January 6th um, insurrection investigation. They can all be looked at from a standpoint of a you know covid and and uh information suppression around vaccination uh research that apparently is now coming out that many people thought they knew about but it's coming out again we're seeing secrets come out in canada it's the same thing we have to be careful about pigeonholing which side someone is on by what particular action they take because we want to then quickly lump them with all these other things that may or may not be part of what their personal ideology or philosophy is. That's the danger that I, I mean, I keep coming back to that. It's so easy to do that. It's like, oh my God, you were, or you believe, well, therefore you must, and no, not me. I'm just here saying, you know, right. and I think we're seeing that in Canada. Uh, I, at least that's one of the, the little pieces um, of what we're seeing. You know, again, it makes it difficult because people get stirred up and involved with other people who have other issues, and it complicates whatever the issue is that was the origi original intent of that expression, protest, you know, march, whatever. We also have the trucker convoy starting in the United States and ending in Washington, D.C. around this same new moon time, which is a little concerning on all levels as well. I mean, yeah, so a lot, a lot definitely brewing and coming to a boiling point. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like this boiling point, although it's part of the larger context of what we've been living since 2020, if not 2012, then it's, but it's a new, it's, it's almost like a new chapter in it. It's, yeah. it's definitely yeah. a turning yeah. point in, a, in yeah. a different level of the story. Yeah. 
that we're, we're all experiencing. Yeah. Yep. And it does, it sounds like all of March is relatively intense. There isn't really much. Unlike February where we had, even though there was intensity brewing, we kind of had periods of time where there was just not a lot going on. Right. Astrologically. Right. And that doesn't seem to be the case in March at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, how are you, you know, when you, when you uh, froze for a moment, we started talking about how people are working with this, all this like, personally, how, what are, what are things that they're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, some people are saying they feel hopeless or helpless. And so I'm just wondering what you personally, like your, your perspective personally and how you handle this, these, this intensity, especially knowing the astrology. I mean, in some ways the astrology is helpful and in some ways it also helps us understand the gravity of what's happening. I think the Pluto return for the United States is, is, and I know we have some debate about whether or not it's right now. It sure seems like right now, but I know that's we're we're debating that, but you know, I think it's very clear to everybody. This is, we're living in big times and there's a lot of like, like everyone else, like everyone else. I think I'm too weary to overreact. Mm. You know, there's just this sense of like, okay, enough's enough, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to be, again, people always ask me, when's it over? When's it over? You know, uh, I, I don't see it being over. We're, we've entered into a new dynamic, a new relationship. It's how do we learn to live with it? How do we find ways to relax, whether it's walking in nature. Uh, you know, uh, I, I took a good several mile walk yesterday uh, on the beach, you know, by the ocean. That's, you know, I don't have that luxury. I can walk along the river by my house, which I do, but not everyone has the luxury of getting outside. And of course, if you live in the Ukraine, you're probably with your pets and your kids bundled up in the subway somewhere, you know, hoping a bomb doesn't drop on you. So it's it, it's very different in di- for different people in different areas. You know, I, I think that we do what we can to get by. We do what we can to stay healthy and we do what we can to stay aware, which means even if we're weary, not unplugging, saying, no, it's not my issue. It's politics. I don't care. Well, you know, the not caring and not wanting to stay plugged in will be the demise of all of us. Whew, okay, breathe, everybody. <laughs> this has been a big one. And two, two things before we bail, which yeah. I need to. One is, I think, unless you already did this, I want to let people know that we have a whole new wave of chart reading extravaganza coming up, not till May, but just kind of planting the seed for, for people to you know, put in the backs of their minds that we're going to be doing another round of online real chart interpretation. This one will have a couple of different twists to it, including the fact that we're really going to be focusing on timing issues and how to unfold charts and time and how to work on that whole thing of, of understanding, you know, okay, here's my chart, but what does that mean this year as opposed to last year? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. coming in May, and we don't have a wait list open. We don't have registration open, but just it letting was, people know, yeah, yeah. Let just just letting you know. Um, it also so the first chart reading extravaganza was really focused on the birth chart, and like you said, this one's going to be more on transits and timing and progressions and things like that. Right. Uh, if you haven't taken astrology foundations yet, this would be a great time to do that. So yeah. you can go to astrologyhub.com/foundations. 
and check that course out. That's with Rick. It's that that's the level one. There's also a level two, and then you'll be ready for the chart reading extravaganza in May. If you decide to join us for that, you don't have to take the foundations with Rick, but it is really an amazing course and a great, a great way to understand the way that he is interpreting charts. So you'll be able to follow along, along better. And then the second thing, if you haven't already done this and you want to get my daily planet pulse, Instagram or Facebook. Facebook is facebook.com slash Rick Levine Astrologer. Instagram is Rick Levine Astrologer. And it's a daily little blurb, not by sign, but just kind of energetics for what's going on day by day. And there's so much happening these days. It's so good. I love it. And he did, uh, I love your cosmic quickies too. Those little like impromptu videos that he does. They're so great. Okay. And then the third thing, Christopher Renstrom's cosmic calendar course starts next week so if you haven't checked that out please go to astrologyhub.com slash cosmic calendar and uh, enrollment is open right now and we'd love to have you in class that's actually taking your chart and using the uh, moving sky to plan your life in a very practical tangible way so, and Christopher brings in the history and all the amazing things that I, I love has. I love Christopher's work I mean, is it possible to not love Christopher? I mean, I, I, he's just, he's so delightful. So um, yes, check that out, astrologyhub.com slash cosmic calendar. And just huge astrology hugs to all of you. And Ortley uh, coined that term and I love it so much. And that's what astrology does so much of the time. It's just like, okay, here's what's happening. And, you know, we all have choices for how we want to work with the energies as they come and, and in some ways, it's just we're in it. I mean, we're in this this cosmic soup together. So thank you, everybody, for being here. Rick, thank you for that incredible download that you just gave us and going through the charts and everything that really that that is really helpful to, to help us understand what's going on. And thanks to all of you for being interested and for caring and for making astrology a part of your life. We're so happy that you're part of this community. And we will catch you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Hello there. It's your weekly horoscope columnist, Christopher Rundstrom. And I'm delighted to announce that my much anticipated course with Astrology Hub, The Cosmic Calendar, is now open for enrollment. The Cosmic Calendar is designed to teach you how to turn your birth chart into a personal calendar, one that's uniquely aligned to your natural flow and personal seasons. You'll be able to look at the year ahead and know exactly how to plan your life. Whether you're looking to launch a business, dive back into the dating pool, or finally get around to writing that book you said you'd get around to writing one day, the Cosmic Calendar will help you to identify the best times of year to pursue your dreams. So, if you want to join me for the Cosmic Calendar, you can enroll today by going to astrologyhub.com slash cosmic calendar. That's astrologyhub.com slash cosmic calendar. It begins on March 3rd. I am so looking forward to seeing you there. We're going to have a lot of fun.